welcome to the supplemental episode of Women at Warp. This is Sue, and I have a special treat today. I recently had the pleasure of doing a phone interview with Chase Masterson, who you may know as Lita on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. We talked about the 25th anniversary of DS9, the impact that the characters and the show have had, as well as the recent Star Trek Online expansion, Victory is Life, in which Chase returns to the role of Lita. And then we go on to talk about Chase's charity work and her organization, the Pop Culture Hero Coalition, with a mission to end bullying. We talk about what each of us can do to end bullying, not only in our daily lives, but in fan culture in general. I do want to give a content warning. We do discuss some specific incidents of bullying and harassment, so please be aware of that. This interview also will tie into the next full episode of Women at Warp, in which the crew will be taking a look at toxic fan culture and what can be done about it. So on to our chat. So Chase, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you, Sue. It's great to be here. Oh, we're so happy to have you. And um, I want to start, obviously, with some some Star Trek questions, right? Because that's what, right. what brings us together today, if you will. Right. Uh, what is it like looking back on Deep Space Nine 25 years on? Deep Space Nine, oh gosh, thank you, first of all, for that question. It's always really incredible to think about the history of this show and all that it's meant. And the fact that it's 25 years is amazing to all of us, I think. Um, but it's a great chance to really recollect what the show meant then and what it means now. It It's been such a journey. I would never think that I would be on a show that has this much power so many years later. And thankfully, we are, you know, able to come together as a cast at several events during this year and uh, remember the groundbreaking ways that this show made a difference. You know, D Space Nine was one of the first serialized shows Mm -hmm. um, on television. So it really demanded that the audience pay attention. And that was obviously it was groundbreaking then. And it has paved the way for the face of television today. I mean, it it really made a a solid change in the way we watch TV and it had incredible strong characters. I'm sorry, incredibly strong female characters, Mm. which you being women of war, we should really (laughs) give them time to, I mean, the women of Deep Space Nine were all strong in different ways and beautifully written. I was grateful to play a woman who was strong and yet didn't always feel that she had to wear it on her sleeve. So Lita uh, exemplified different types of strength. You know, the strength that comes from being, comes from having integrity and living your beliefs, you know, and, and in not allowing my husband Rom the Ferengi to impose a prenup on me and and to wear clothes as no Ferengi wife had before or you know few had before and to really stand up for things that were important such as in the Ferengi rebellion um with uh, the episode bar association I mean Lita was a small role relatively but she had a lot to say as a woman in in a different way than Kira, who was strong in a, you know, in a very outright way, obviously, and she too lived her beliefs in a very different but also brave way. It's, you know, Deep Space Nine 
I'm going on here, but I really want to say Deep Space Nine was a show where we boldly went into our relationships. We didn't boldly go so much into other universes or other other cultures, but we went into ourselves. And so I think that the women ex- exemplified the kinds of strengths that that we like to see in ourselves as an audience. I agree completely. I think a lot of our, our main women on Deep Space Nine exemplify different kinds of strength. Right. And um, Lita in particular has a huge influence on Rom. When we first meet him, he's kind of just parroting the stuff that comes out of Quark's mouth. And by, by the end of the series, he's a, he's a reformer. Yes, exactly. And you should see him now in Star Trek Online. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But yes, by the end of the series, he's a reformer. He's the head of the Ferengi Empire. And it's just another lesson in when we are loved and when someone sees the best in us, we can become more than we ever dreamed. And it's beautiful that Lita was able to have the strength to bring that out in him. And as a woman, I don't feel that that's, you know, a, a it's not a, a secondary kind of thing to do. We're in support of each other, you know, on this show. And sometimes women support and sometimes we take the lead and are supported and the men can take that mm-hmm. backseat role and be the man behind the woman. And, it, you know, and sometimes we don't, you know, obviously in, 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 in this expansion set, you know, we see Lita 30 years later, a, a very strong woman in her own right, not having to, you know, have her man stand behind her man or, or, or have him stand behind her, but just as an individual, which is really nice. Yeah. So that's uh, the Star Trek online expansion, Victory is Life. And you returned to the role of Lita recently for that. What was that like to step back into her shoes? Thank you. It was, it was really wonderful. Um, I have so enjoyed doing First of all, Victory of Life, Victory of Life is a, a, just a, a fantastic expansion set in terms of its scripts and what we have going as, as characters. And in general, being able to play Lita in three incarnations in, in Star Trek Online, we, I play her as a double girl, I play her as mirror Lita, and then I play her 30 years later in Victory of Life. It's, it's a really wonderful look at different facets of the same woman. What do you think it is about Deep Space Nine and the Deep Space Nine characters that still resonates so deeply with fans? It's, it seems sometimes more than the other series. Um, to expand on that a little bit, we often hear people say that Deep Space Nine was in a way a post 9-11 show, but before 9-11. And something about the stories seem to resonate even more as, as time goes on. It's true. It's true. We, we hear that a lot and how much more relevant the show is now in that it speaks so clearly of the need for peace and the need for inclusion and the costs of war and how important it is to stand up for what's right. And you know, unfortunately, it doesn't look like the world has learned any lessons. Um, it's there, there's a really dark time in our country right now, and 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 the world, and that is always going to be reflected back and forth in 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 the media. And Star Trek has always been at the forefront of 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 yes, social and political issues. Mm-hmm. 
It means shows like Star Trek and, and games like Star Trek Online are ever that much more important for us to use as metaphors and, you know, just use to understand the the real world as, as a mirror, as a, as a mechanism for navigating these issues. We can see them on screen and play them in the game and, and then reflect on how our world is is very similar. I could go off on that so much, but I'm not gonna. I'm just gonna say that Star Trek and Star Trek Online. It's these are these aren't just games. They're they're fun. It's it's a wonderful way to pass the time and build community. And it's also it's also deep and rich. It's it's important. It absolutely is. And um, you touched on it just there, and that Star Trek teaches us to stand up for what's right. And a lot yeah. of what you've been doing over the last several years is uh, campaigning against bullying to the point of founding the Pop Culture Hero Coalition. Can you um, tell everybody what what the that is and how that all came about? Thank you. Yes. Um, I founded the Pop Culture Hero Coalition in 2013, and it is the first ever 501c3 nonprofit organization to make a stand against bullying, racism, misogyny, LGBTQI bullying, cyberbullying, and other forms of hate using pop culture stories from TV, film, and comics. So basically, we see these stories that we, we, we love, and we can use them as a metaphor to create heroism in real life. So our motto is, we love heroes, we love superheroes, why not be them? Why not make a stand for justice and for equality and for all of the things that are so important, like we love our on-screen heroes to do? And, you know, it also takes a, a page uh, from, from Star Trek in this and, and Star Trek Online being such a great, fun game. You can't tell stories without having fun. You need to be able to make an impact in a way that people are hungry for and people in a way that people want to hear, you know, the world has never changed by pointing fingers. So just like Star Trek has an incredible amount of fun and Star Trek online has an incredible amount, incredible amount of fun and art. And in this new expansion series, you see like the Ferengi doing a fun heist and all sorts of great stuff. You know, you couple that with important messages and it's a very powerful way to discuss issues and to change issues and to create justice. So how did you get involved with anti-bullying campaigns? Well, thank you. Um, I had been mentoring, as I still mentor, kids coming out of gangs at a place called Homeboy Industries in Los Angeles. And these are young women and men who basically come straight out of prison. Um, they are brought up in gangs, raised in gangs in, in circumstances that I cannot even begin to imagine. Um, basically like, you know, in downtown LA, you know, 90 minutes from my house, it's, it's heartbreaking to see the disparity in the world. And so I was talking with them and found out that two or one, almost every single one of them was jumped into a gang. And I thought of the kind of oppression that they have faced, like, you know, with gangs, it's, you join us or we'll kill you, literally. Um, that sounds like Commander Lita. I'm just saying, but I digress. You know, I mean, this is a horribly brutal way for a, a, a kid to be brought up 
in, in such danger. And then I thought how very similar that is to kids in grade school or high school or workplace bullying or, or relationship bullying. It's all the same. It's you act a certain way or, or I will take power over you or, you know, the kind of bullying that happens in, you know, making other, in belittling people or just the general kind of oppression that comes in with, with any bullying. It's, it's all the same. It's all oppression and it doesn't belong in our lives. And about the time that I was thinking about those similarities, I heard about a little girl in Evanston, Illinois, who was in first grade and bullied for carrying her Star Wars lunchbox to school. And women at Warp, you'll be interested in this. All the boys were following her around saying, you're a girl. You can't like Star Wars. You're a girl. Well, unfortunately, little Katie... Um, was very hurt by this. She went home and she told her mother that she wasn't going to like Star Wars anymore because she didn't think that, you know, that she would be accepted and girls apparently can't like Star Wars. And her mother, Carrie Goldman, wrote a blog post saying, if any women out there like Star Wars or Star Trek or science in any way, would you please encourage my daughter? And so Carrie the mom, her post went viral. Huffington Post picked it up and thousands of people responded saying, Katie, you be you. You can like science fiction. Girls can like anything they want. Girls can be anything they want. And so this enormous outpouring came about. Katie bravely kept carrying her Star Wars lunchbox to school and became a role model for little girls everywhere. And Carrie decided to write a book on ending bullying, which is called Bullied, What Every parent, teacher, and kid needs to know about ending the cycle of fear. And um, HarperCollins bought the book. And uh, this is fun. Carrie Carrie, um, was writing the book and asked me to do an interview for it. So I did. And she asked if I would would introduce her to other actors. So I introduced her to my friend, Peter Mayhew, who played Chewbacca. So now the real Chewbacca is friends with little Katie being bullied in first grade don't screw with us. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah. So, um, so all sorts of wonderful things happened. And, and when the book was finished, Carrie, as I said, she asked me to get it into Comic-Con and I said, yes. And then it all came together and I said, but let's do more than that. Let's form a coalition to end bullying in every way we can to take this incredible energy at Comic-Con and the incredible energy of pop culture and use it for good. So then I got really scared because I didn't know how to form a, a coalition. I was like, <laughs> what, what is that? What am I going to do now? Who am I going to get on board? I had never produced a panel before. Um, but I called, I figured, who do you want if you're going to have a coalition? Well, the United Nations. So I called the United Nations out of the blue. I got their phone number in the phone book. <laughs> Yes. And I said, hi, um, this is Chase um, uh, from Star Trek and um, Deep Space Nine. And I'm doing a thing on ending bullying at Comic-Con. And, well, you guys end bullying, right, with countries. So would you like to come with us? And they said, oh, my God, we've always wanted to go to (laughs) Comic-Con. Who hasn't? So the United Nations Association San Diego came on board as our first partner, and I now serve on their advisory board. 
And since then, we've been able to make a real stand for social justice in the Comic-Con space. We've brought, that was the United Nations Association, but after that, we brought the United Nations proper, uh, which is a slightly different arm of it. We brought Amnesty International, the No Hate Campaign, and the ACLU, and several other groups, all to their very first Comic-Con experiences, uh, appearances. And we are creating this intersection of social justice and pop culture because we know that meaning and fun can create real good in the world. That is absolutely phenomenal. And um, this is not about me, but I, I am also a member of the 501st, the Star Wars costuming group. Yes, that's fantastic. I love you guys. Thank you. I very vividly remember Katie's story and replying yes. to Carrie's blog post and, and everything that came from that. So it is it's amazing and, and wonderful that it has grown, that that one story has, has grown into a coalition to try and Thank make you. everything better. And it's, it's wonderful. Um, and, you know, speaking of bringing this into to, to nerd spaces and to, to Comic-Cons, um, I want to ask you about the bullying that seems to be going on in fandom. I assume you're aware of Star Wars, quote, fans, bullying Kelly Marie Tran off of Instagram recently and uh, that this is not the first time it's happened uh, with Star Wars actors. It also happened to the 2016 uh, actresses in Ghostbusters and it seems to be happening over and over again. And what do you think is going on? Why is this happening? I think it's happening because of male white supremacy. I mean, there's really no other way to put it. And people need to understand that they don't have to be wearing a white hood to be racist. They don't have to be, you know, physically hurting somebody to be hurting the world and creating a lot of damage. It happens out of fear. It's happening because they think they are not going to be important anymore baby, baby, suck your thumb. (laughs) Um, It's happening because they are insecure as personally, each person who is making these comments has very serious mental health issues and emotional issues. And I feel very sorry for them. Just imagine the pain that you have to have inside you to be speaking out against a a woman, an actress, an Asian woman, uh, a character. It just boggles my mind. Like, for one thing, get a job, guys. I mean, you know, I mean, aren't there any good books left in the world? You've (laughs) got to have something to do better with your time than this. But on a way deeper level, what is wrong with you inside that you have to do this to another person? Mm. And We always have to remember that that is the crux of bullying. Bullying is never about the person that it happens to. It is always, always about the person that it is happening, that that is doing it. It's always about the perpetrator and their sickness and their lack of mental health, their lack of ability to be okay with who they are. So they feel like they need to hurt someone else in order to feel powerful. It seems too that... 
it's in a way easier with social media, with this 24-7 access to, yeah. to the person that's being targeted. Obviously, we didn't have that when, when Deep Space Nine was airing, but did, right. did you guys, did you and um, um, Nana and Terry encounter anything like this from fans, or do you think this is a more recent phenomenon? Well, I have encountered horrific, horrific attack, um, mm. trauma, uh, uh, from from fans, um, you can read a, a little about it on my uh, Wikipedia page. Although everything it doesn't begin to describe the situation, but I, I've I've had some horrific circumstances myself, and I, I know that Nana has suffered greatly. I know that um, Terry has also had her share in in different ways, and it would be really easy for us as actresses to just put up walls. But I'm really proud of the women on this show for not becoming hardened, for maintaining open hearts and being able to realize that that is, those are relatively rare. And the overwhelming majority of Star Trek fans is beautiful, incredible hearts and people that really want to change the world. And you guys are worth showing up for. And we just have to be strong and strong together when we see and hear this crap online. It's not real. Mm -hmm. It's just somebody blabbing out of their own pain. It's like they're throwing up because they're sick. Well, I want to thank you and and by proximity or proxy, thank uh, them as well for continuing to come out to conventions and the like in in light of that. because, I mean, it's become cliche to say not all, but it is not all fans. Um, and Right. You, I mean, I'm sorry, that, I don't mean to be cliche, you, but yeah. It's not. How do you keep that mindset when, you, when you're dealing with something? And not just as, as an actor, but as, as a person. If you're feeling that kind of attack, what advice is there for moving past it? Because ignoring it you know, the stuff I was told is ignore them and they'll go away isn't really always the case, especially in an age of cyberbullying. Right. Well, the most important thing to remember is that it really isn't about you. It's so important to separate yourself from it. We have a saying, hurt people, hurt people, and mm-hmm. healed people, heal people. So if someone is hurting you, you know it's because they're hurting. And just take it and as if it were an actual thing and put it aside. Like if I was going to, excuse my language here, but you can, you can take it. If I'm going to hand you a piece of shit, mm-hmm. like, hi Sue, here's a piece of shit. Are you, do you have to take it? I do no. <laughs> no, you don't. It's stinky. It's gross. It's not yours. It has nothing to do with you. It's vile. It's not yours. Just because somebody hands you something doesn't mean it's yours. Doesn't mean that it has any relationship to you. It only is related to the person handing it. It's hard. You have to build up a resilience because we are sensitive people and we want to keep our sensitivity. But it just requires, it's it's almost just being quick on your feet to go, "Uh uh-uh, no, that's not mine. And not even letting it get any further than your remotest attention. Mm. Along those lines, what do you think is the role of 
things like fan conventions or online fan communities in creating safe spaces? I think the most important thing is that we stand up for each other. And mm. in the coalition's work, we talk a lot about being allies. And if you see someone getting bullied, whether it's right in front of you, if somebody's being rude to somebody in person, or whether it's online, or my point of view is if it happens in a space that's social and political, um, for instance, what's what's happening with with refugees, with immigrants, um, that is, you know, there are some horrors happening and I, I can't keep quiet about it. Not on my watch is that going to happen without me making a stand and using my voice for people who can't. So that is the most important thing to use your voice because voices do matter and they change things. And yes, it's exhausting. And yes, we all need a break, but it's on us to care about each other in that way that doesn't give up until we see each other being treated with justice. And sure, you know, we get tired, take a break, take a day or whatever, take some time off, but then we need to come back and work to make this world safe for everybody. Absolutely. And that, yeah, that's the bottom line. So I know that um, Pop Culture Hero Coalition is working on educational programs to take into schools, to take into conventions. Is there, are there any, you know, top actionable tips that come from those programs that, you know, if, if you see injustice, if you see bullying, what you can actively do at that time about it. Really stepping in to say, hey, stop that. Don't treat her that way. It's that is, simple. It really is. I mean, that, that is one of the main things. There's, there's several, but that is the top thing I say over and over. There are statistics that bullying stops within 10 seconds, something like some crazy percentage of the time it'll stop within uh, within 10 seconds of, of the person the bully being confronted obviously that doesn't always happen but but sometimes it does and when there's more of us saying hey stop that we can create a culture of kindness and inclusion where bullying is unaccepted it's just completely unthinkable we can create that culture we, it just takes all of us standing up whenever we see it. As Star so, Trek fans, that's the culture we want to emulate, right? <laughs> yes, yes, that's the whole thing. That's, you know, that's IDIC. And that's, you know, really standing up for justice. I mean, those early episodes of Star Trek spoke very clearly about justice. When Spock stood up during the two-part episode, The Menagerie, he was risking his life. He was definitely risking his career. And then it became apparent that he could be risking his life to stand up for somebody who believed in somebody, something that he believed in and getting this man to safety. And he was being a voice for the voiceless. And throughout the series, there are so many examples of that. This is what Star Trek is. Roddenberry said these were morality plays. You know, what more could we ask but to have a show that exemplifies that so beautifully? Um, Star Wars, too. Um, Obi-Wan said to Darth Vader, if you strike me down, I will become more powerful than you could possibly imagine. 
And that's what I see. Here's, there's an interesting dynamic, Sue. That's what I see happening in, in geekdom and fandom. For such a long time, us geeks were brutalized. We were trampled on. If we were smart, if we liked science or math, which I did, if we liked a certain, you know, geek shows, then it was very unpopular and we were hurt because of it. We were bullied. Now, those same people that were bullied have become bullies because they are assuming an ownership, like you were saying with Kelly Marie Mm -hmm. Tran. It's very often that bullied kids become bullies unless they heal. And that's what I see happening in fandom. And so it's on us. And frankly, it's usually women who will stand up and say, "Uh uh-uh. I saw a tweet recently, and I don't have it in front of me, so I unfortunately can't attribute it. Uh, But someone wrote that there are two types of people. The people who say, well, I suffered, so why shouldn't you? And the people who Mm. say, well, I suffered, and I don't want anyone else to have to go through that. Right. And it it seems to me that that fandom is sort of split that way. People who are are stuck in their ways are stuck in in the the early, let's say, parts of their, their franchise want younger fans or newer fans to, in a way, pay their dues, to have to go through the same trials that they did. And it's, it's something I don't understand. Don't you want to share the thing you love with people rather than try and keep people right. from it? Right. It's crazy, isn't it? And so, you know, part of what we teach people, you'd, you'd asked a few minutes ago about the, what the coalition teaches mm-hmm. and if there are any takeaways, self-care is really important. Self-care and self-respect and, and self-compassion is really important for people to practice and to keep people who have a tendency to be mean really need a healthy dose of self-compassion. I know that that sounds, I may, that may sound backward, but when people have a healthy love for themselves, they don't need to tear other people down. Hmm. When people can look at themselves and appreciate who they are and realize that they are enough and that they are valuable, that they are special with gifts and talents to give to the world and that they're cared about, they don't have to steal some kind of false respect or they don't try to bully. They don't try to take the the, the top place. Nobody has to be top in that way. I'm just, I'm stuttering because I I mean it so much and I, I, I don't know how to put it into words right now, but healthy people don't do that. Right. So in what, what we do in schools, which is a lot easier to teach children when you have them in a classroom for a period of time, you know, ongoing, is to teach that kind of self-esteem and to teach self-value, self-worth, identity, healthy identity, to keep them from having to adopt a false identity mm. through, through oppressing someone else. It's a lot easier to do with children. Right now, we're completing our seventh and eighth grade curriculum, which is, you know, those are really important years for identity. And that's why that's our first curriculum that's going out on on an officially um, wide basis, um, being duplicated on a wide basis. But everybody needs to learn identity all the time. We need to keep coming back to that we are enough and we don't have to take someone else's space in the world. Mm. 
Wonderful. I, I we took it kind of dark and kind of heavy for a while, so I want I want to flip it. What do you think is the best thing that social media has brought to fan spaces? What are the positives? Well, community is wonderful, and I I can easily take this back to Star Trek Online now mm-hmm. because it is <laughs> it's such a fun game, and I really mean this. It's it's such a fun game because of the community that it brings and the, the, you know, the fun getting to be another character, to be a character you've always wanted to assume. Um, you know, people have been asking regarding Star Trek, is there ever going to be a Deep Space Nine movie? And mm. we have to say, unfortunately, no, but this is more Deep Space Nine. These are news stories with the same characters that you love, that you get to inhabit and actually communicate with each other. In you know within the game, and so I think yes, I think community is one thing that this game and the gaming and online interaction in general has brought. It can be just frankly, it, it can be dangerous. You should also make sure you have some friends in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, and I'm talking, I'm talking to myself when I say that too. It's way too easy for me to just you know, be on Twitter all day long and talking about social justice. And sure, I'm outside doing other things too, but it's, it's you know, we've got to, you know, get outside and feel the wind on our face. You know, that's important too. So I don't want to take it too far in, in, in that direction, but it, it can't be overstated how, uh, yes, community is very important to human existence and one way to find it is social media. Do you find when you're on Twitter talking about these sorts of things, that the majority of Star Trek fans are right there with you, or do you get much pushback from that community? I find most of them are with me. Occasionally, there are some that just are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, you know, that, that can happen in any group of people, and that's fine. Um, it, it happens. I don't know how the credos of Star Trek could find space inside a person like that. Mm. I don't know how they could like Star Trek and still say the things they do. I sometimes wonder which show they've been watching because it can't be Star Trek. Right. <laughs> right? I mean, I I don't know. But whatever. I mean, sometimes they like it. Sometimes they like it for the adventure. I don't know. Mm-hmm. For the characters. It's the same thing with people who say about comics, keep politics out of comics, keep social justice out of comics. Wait, that's why comics were invented. Yes. Yeah. You know? So, and if you don't really care about making the world better, then what are you doing here? Mm. I mean, you know, it's, we, we all need to pay our rent on the planet in some way to reach out and hopefully leave this world better than we found it, or at least, not quite as bad. <laughs> I don't want to take up all of your time tonight, but I do want to ask you, um, where can people go to find out more about Pop Culture Hero Coalition? Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, I'm constantly talking about our work on Twitter. So if you'd like to follow me at Chase Masterson, I would love it. Say hello from Women of Warp and <laughs> Women at Warp, and, and I will gladly say hello back. The other place is... Uh, Online everywhere at Superhero IRL is the coalition at Superhero IRL on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And then our website is popculturehero.org. And in case we have any teachers listening, that would be the place that they could find information on the curriculum? Yes. If you'd like curriculum, and it, 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 no matter what grades you're teaching, 
Um, if you'd email us info at popculturehero.org, then we can send you info when the time is right. Um, let us know what grade you teach and where you're located. Fantastic. So I just want to ask you one more thing, and that is, what is your favorite part of being part of the Star Trek family? Oh, thank you for asking. I really think it's how ongoing it is. It, it's how much we still have to look forward to. And again, that takes place in Star Trek Online in this expansion set, Victory is Life. It, it, it takes place in all sorts of wonderful ways. The conventions that we get to meet up with each other at, the actors, and the, when we get to meet you guys, fans. Star Trek isn't a show. It's, it is, it's more than a show. It's, it really is community in all these ways, and I'm really grateful for it. Well, I'm super grateful that you were willing to come and join me tonight. Thank you so much. We're so happy to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really look forward to this. Thanks again to Chase for taking time out of her busy schedule to join me for this interview. It was an absolute blast. If you'd like to get in touch with Women at Warp, you can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Women at Warp, or by sending an email to crew at womenatwarp.com. And if you'd like, you can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash womenatwarp. For more from the Roddenberry Podcast Network, you can visit podcast.roddenberry.com. Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) 